In the scriptures saying in Jeremiah that he have a future, he will not abandon us. I was born in the Philippines and growing up in a poor family and living in a tiny house, no stove. We just used wood and cooking. And growing up, um, I did not receive any gift. Sometimes we got to bed empty stomach. And when I was a child, I have favorite memory verse. It says in the scriptures in Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I decided to have my own crayons, but my mom could not afford something like that. One day, our pastor inviting us for an event for the church. I saw this big brown boxes. And so my teacher handed me the shoe box. I'm so excited to open it. Teacher counted three, two, one, and then we opened it together with the other kids. And when I opened my shoe box, I saw a lot of items in there, like the hygiene. I have a washcloth, pencils, and I have stuffed toys. And in my joy, I see a full box of crayons. I am grateful in that moment, knowing that there is people who pack a shoebox gift for me. And I am blessed because they uh, send me a box of gift that brings joy for me. I become a, a training teacher of the greatest journey, and it's impacted to me because I see those children going to church with their families, and I see their smiles and joy in their eyes that when they receive um, the shoe boxes that I felt when I was received. I moved in the United States in 2016. I got married and I have two kids. And so I become a yearly volunteer for shoe boxes in our church. I am so grateful for being involved in this ministry and Operation Christmas Child, knowing that through packing shoe boxes, I am allowing children all over the world to the love of Christ and bring joy to them. Well, it's been our privilege for many years to uh, partner with Operation Christmas Child. You can bring your boxes here. I think you have till November the 23rd. Also, you can go online, biblechapel.org slash shoebox, and uh, you can uh, uh, put together a shoebox virtually. Kind of cool this year with COVID, uh, they have that opportunity. So be sure to do that. And again, November the 23rd's the uh, deadline on that. Also want to remind you that we are in the process of interviewing three candidates for elders. Part of that process is for your input. I sent out an email last Monday uh, explaining who these three individuals are and gave a bio uh, for them. Want to make sure you know that. Uh, you can go on the Bible Chapel website, biblechapel.org slash elders. You can read their bio and then uh, send information, confirmation, or concerns and send it to our elder chairman. That's Jim Bruni, uh, brew underscore crew at comcast.net. All right, be sure to do that. We, uh, we need and want your input. It's great to see you guys here in person and online. Let's pray 
and then ask God for his help as we open his word. Lord, thank you that you're a God who loves us and cares for us and you know us by name. I am a child of God and I can say in the depths of my heart, yes, I am. I pray, Father, for those of us who have trusted in Christ and those who haven't here today. I pray that you would work in their hearts. Your word has something to teach us. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that through your word. You don't have anything to say unless it comes from your word. And we are unable to hear unless you open our ears and our hearts. Lord, do your work. Do your work in us today, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. So uh, there's this uh, news show that I enjoyed watching. Actually, I enjoyed watching it until last Thursday. Uh, At the end of the show, they have this thing uh, often, and uh, the host put up this picture, and it uh, it was out in the water, and there were some people kayaking, and there was this whale... And this, and this whale came up and uh, uh, knocked these two people on a kayak off their kayak. And, and so there was banter about this back and forth. And, and one of the people said, well, wait a second. Isn't there a story in the Bible about a whale? And someone said, yeah, uh, Jonah and the whale. And then the other host said, oh, yeah. I used to believe that story until I was about 12. That, that group I enjoyed watching for political purposes belittled the book I believe in for eternal purposes. And it hit me again. It wasn't the first time, but it hit me again that the conservative political worldview is not the complete biblical worldview. So men and women, regardless of the election, the mighty creator is still on the throne And regardless of who is in the White House or the Congress or the Supreme Court, the job to demonstrate to a watching world who Jesus is, is our job, no one's in Washington, D.C. And here's the deal. Charles Colson said this. Chuck Colson said this. Colson, again, was a big political leader of top-notch guy in the the Nixon administration, one of the most powerful guys in the United States at one time until all that happened with the Nixon stuff. And then in prison, he trusted in Christ. Listen to what he says. While government has a worthy task to perform and depends for its success on citizens of character, it cannot, it can do little to what? Create them. It depends on people of character, but it can do little to create them. That's why God has instituted the family and the church. That's our job. Not the White House, your house and this house. To train future and current leaders in business and medicine and education and law and, yes, politics to stand up for eternal values. And this is the time, don't you think, for Christians to take a stand. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua as we continue our journey through the Bible. Today we're gonna look at one of the strongest leaders in all of scripture who did extraordinary things for God. God called him to do extraordinary things. He had some nagging questions that he had to deal with, maybe the same questions that you and I have because what God called Joshua to do, parents, 
is no more extraordinary than what he's calling you to do. No more big than what he's calling you to do. No more important than what he's calling you to do. And we need to be those who know who we are in Christ so we can do the things we need to do to develop followers of Christ. Let me set the context uh, for this passage. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. All the peoples of the world are going to be blessed through you. That was Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 15, God says, I got some land for you. I'm going to promise you one of these days, your ancestors are going to go into this land, the promised land, right? Through uh, an amazing set of events, uh, the people of Israel find themselves in Egypt. And it's interesting, while they're in slavery in Egypt, we've learned, God made them a numerous and strong people. While they were in slavery in Egypt, God does some interesting things sometimes, doesn't he? And he delivered them through Moses. He delivered them from slavery, and and he put them on their way into a journey to the promised land. He, he, he separated the Red Sea so they could go across. Three days, think about this. The Red Sea was a pretty big deal, wasn't it? Three days afterwards, you know what they were doing? Grumbling. We're thirsty. So God gave them water. Then he said, we're hungry. So God gave them food. And they kept grumbling and they kept disobeying. And finally, God said, enough. This generation right here, you're going to die in the wilderness. You're not going to see the promised land. That's a sad story, isn't it? We learn from that something we need to take to heart. Grumblers cannot grasp the power and promises of God. You want to spend your life grumbling? You can do it, but you will never grasp the power, and the promises of God. And so we turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now they have been mourning Moses' death for 40 days. So this is not new news. But God's making a statement, isn't he? You can't go back. You got to move forward. Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, and to the land that I'm giving you, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Now, think about that. The, the, the land that God promised Abraham hundreds of years ago, Joshua saying, God, I'm going to be the one to take the people into the promised land? Man, that's a pretty heavy assignment, isn't it? No heavier than the assignment every parent and grandparent has here. It's a pretty big deal. Raising children, eternal souls, to love Jesus. Any assignment bigger than that? As Joshua was contemplating that heavy responsibility, I believe he started asking some questions. And in chapter one, we see God's answers to these questions. The questions are not in the text, but I believe from 
the answers that God gives, we can see what the questions are. And I believe the first question Joshua asks is this, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? You ever feel that way? Parents, you ever feel that way? Married couples, you ever feel that way? Man, do I have what it takes to keep this thing together? I know what's at stake. Do I have what it takes to, to, to show my child, not just tell them, but show them what it means to love Jesus? I mean, parents in the middle of leading your family through COVID, social justice issues, a world where 60% says abortion should be legal, where same-sex relationships are portrayed as normal, where living together before marriage is common, where the Bible is mocked by conservatives as some outdated fable. Where do you even start? Do I have what it takes? When Joshua asked that question, here's what God told him, telling us the same thing. Joshua, you have what it takes. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses. Joshua, you saw the great work I did through Moses. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Read this last part with me. You ready? I will not leave you or forsake you. One more time. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That's God's promise. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. And then in verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be faithless. Don't be dismayed, for here it is again. Read it with me. For the Lord your God is with you. Where? Wherever you go. Wherever you go. That's the promise to Joshua. That's the promise to us. I am with you. I am the mighty creator. Nothing is too hard for me. Parents, do you have what it takes? Yeah, when God is on your side. Do you have what it takes? Yeah, when you're following him. Do you have what it takes to keep your marriage together? Absolutely, because you cannot do anything less. Too much is at stake. It's not the White House. It's your house and this house. Here's the second question. Joshua asks, I believe, what if I fail? You ever have that question? What if I fail? What if I don't have the spiritual and moral strength? What if I blow it in an unguarded moment? Man, it's bad enough to have a spiritual meltdown when, when it's just me, right? But when lives are at stake, what if I fail? Now for Joshua, this was not a hypothetical question. Back in Numbers chapter 20, the people of Israel were, were complaining again and Moses was so sick and tired of their complaining 
They wanted water this time again, and God said, here's the deal, Moses. I want you to speak to this certain rock, and water is going to come out of the rock. When you speak to it, people will know you're speaking to it, and when water comes out, they'll know that I did that. It will demonstrate my power. But Moses was so irritated and angry and upset with the people's continual grumbling, he took his staff, which was a, a, um, a symbol of his power and God's power, and he took the staff, and he struck the rock. Water came out, but God said, Moses, it's like you did it, not me. You disobeyed me in front of the people. You don't get to go to the promised land. Man, it's pretty hard, isn't it? One, one unguarded moment. The commentators put Numbers 20 about in the 40th year of the, of the wanderings. They're almost there. Moses, you don't get to go. Moses in Deuteronomy 3 pleads with God, God, please change your mind, let me go. And God finally says, Moses, enough. I don't want to hear about it again. He later takes him up to Mount Nebo and lets him see the promised land. If you stand on Mount Nebo, you can see one end of Israel to the other, but he never gets to go. So when, when Joshua says, what if I fail? And this wasn't hypothetical. He had seen this great man. There was never a prophet like Moses. And he failed. It's an annoying question for parents, isn't it? What if I fail? Well, a couple things. Failure is not final. And there's always forgiveness. But God also gives a remedy. God also gives a remedy. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. But here's the deal, Joshua. Be careful to do, there's an action verb, according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from the right or left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Spiritual success. This book of the law, this is not an antiquated fable. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to what? Do according to all that is written in it. God says, Joshua, you're not going to fail when you live according to my word. And when you trip up, there's always forgiveness. And when you blow it, it's not final. But when you live according to my word, you're not turning to the right or left. You're demonstrating to your kids this is what it looks like to follow hard after Christ. You have to worry about failure. You can, you, 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 can, you can celebrate God's work in your life. Look, I can't stand up here and say that, uh, that no marriage is going to fail, right? I can never tell you a leader won't fail. I can't tell you a husband or wife's not going to fail morally. But I can tell you this. Study those who have fallen and every one of them will say, every one of them will say, I wasn't in the word of God on a regular basis. 
I jettisoned my time with God. And so if you're here today and you're not reading God's word every day, you're in a dangerous spot. How can you, how can you teach your children what you don't know? How can you impart what you don't possess? Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Talk about it to your kids. Don't be shy about it. In order to talk about it with confidence, you have to know what it means. And my goodness, guys, we live in a day where you can get all the helps you need right on the internet. You don't have to leave your house. You can quarantine and still grow as a Christian. But you have to do it. You have to do it to have something to tell your kids about. You have to meditate on it. And you have to take action to do what God's calling you to do. Huge responsibility at this thing, parenting, isn't it? Grandparenting. Third question, I believe, Joshua is asking, will anyone follow me? Will anyone follow me? Again, not a hypothetical question for Joshua. Back in Numbers 13, you guys remember, some of you will remember the story. Uh, Moses sent 12 guys into the promised land to do a little surveillance by night. And um, uh, they came back. And Joshua and Caleb said, man, uh, there are a lot of people in the land, that's for sure. But it is a land flowing with milk and honey, a metaphor. It is a, it is a rich land. That's the land God has for us. That's the promised land. Let's go take it. If God's on our side, it doesn't matter who's against us. If God's on our side, we can do this. We're going to be strong and courageous. But the 10, other 10 said what? Oof, there are a lot of people over there. And there are giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And the people believed the majority report. By the way, don't always believe the majority report. And so they stayed in them. That's one of the times where God said, fine, fine. You can die here in the desert. I'll give the promised land to the next generation if you're not going to obey me. Man, I know a lot of parents have that question, right? Will my kids, will my kids follow me in the faith? And, 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 and I don't know the answer to that, right? God is the one who has to work in the heart. But here's what I know. We can show them what it looks like. I love what uh, happens here in Joshua chapter 1. In, cha in Joshua 1, 17, so Joshua not knowing if people are going to follow him this time. He lines them all up. He gets them ready. And he says, let's go, let's go to the promised land. And look at verse 17. The people say, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. We will obey you, Joshua. But here's the deal. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. You know what they're saying there? Okay, okay Joshua, we'll follow you as long as you're following God. We'll follow you as long as we can see you are being led by God. But the moment we don't see that, bets are off. 
are your kids seeing that you are all in for God? Not a hobby, not something you do on the weekends, not something that's kind of cool, not some tradition. Do your kids know you are all in for Jesus Christ? No doubts. And you put aside all the idols of materialism and you put aside all the idols of sports and you put aside all the other idols of stuff in your life and they say, we're in for Jesus. Because you know what? Your kids can, they can spot hypocrisy from a mile away. Our kids have a great sense of smell, don't they? They can sniff out fear and faithlessness, just like that. And they are taking constant mental notes. So I don't know, I don't know what God's gonna do with your children. I just know this. They're gonna learn it from somebody else, if not you. And you're gonna to want to show them exactly what it looks like to follow hard after Jesus. Because it's not the White House, it's your house and this house. One more question. Joshua asks, I believe, will the battles be worth it? Man, parents, do you ever ask that question? Are these battles worth it? This is a, uh, a dangerous, a cool and dangerous device, isn't it? Parents, what are you gonna do with this with your kids? Young parents, you just gonna give it to them like a rite of passage? To watch anything pornographic and unbiblical they wanna watch and anytime they wanna watch it? Is that what you're gonna do? It's a battle ahead. Joshua knew there were battles ahead. He knew when he walked into the promised land, there were going to be some battles. He knew that husbands were going to die and sons were going to die. And so he asked, I'm going to lead these people into the promised land. Are the battles going to be worth it? Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because here's what you get to do, Joshua. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You get to be the one to lead the people into the promised land, the land I promised Moses hundreds of years ago. You get to do it. You get to lead them into the promised land. And parents, we get to do the same thing, don't we? Not a physical promised land, but if God blesses our efforts, we get to lead them into the spiritual promised land of heaven. We get to spend eternity with them. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope. Don't you love that? A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is. You ready? Here's our promised land. Parents, here it is. This is, this is all that's at stake. Our promised land to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept where? Heaven for you. Will the parenting battles be worth it? Every last one of them.
eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. So Joshua leads them in and um, he allows them to cross the Jordan River. God does. God backs up the Jordan River and they get to go over on dry ground. And that's pretty cool. What an experience that would have been. They had heard about, a lot of them had heard about, some of them were pretty young when they crossed the Red, the Red Sea, but now you get to experience it again, a fresh experience of God's faith. We need those fresh experiences of God's faith, don't we? Fresh experiences of faith. So now they're across and they're standing on this, they're standing in the promised land and uh, God had dammed up the Jordan River and now he lets it flow again. So here they are in the promised land. They can't go back because we can never go back, can we? So here they are in the promised land, great experience with the Jordan River. And then what do they look up and see? Jericho. <laughs> the first people they have to defeat is Jericho. Jericho was the most fortified city in that world. It was sat up on a hill. You had to walk up an incline to get there. It had two, archeologists say it had two walls around it, one wall was 16 feet thick. The other wall was six feet thick. And you needed some pretty heavy equipment to knock down those walls. And Israel only had, coming from wandering in the desert for 40 years, some slings and some arrows and some bows. Oh yeah, they had one other thing, God. And they walked around the walls seven days and then seven times the seventh day and they gave a shout and they blew the trumpets. And what God do? Caused the walls to come tumbling down. I, I always think about that story because, you know, why does God always put us in those positions? Great victory yesterday and then tomorrow there's Jericho again. Because he wants us to depend on him. Because he wants us to know we're over our heads. Because he wants us to know on our own, we're not enough. And on our own, we will fail. And on our own, no one will follow us. And on, the own, on our own, we can win no battle at all. But with him, we have everything we need. We have everything we need to do what he's calling us to do. Parents, we've got a lot at stake here, don't we? Young parents, we have a lot at stake. Grandparents, we have a lot at stake. Our kids are watching us, and it's going to happen in our house. It's our responsibility. No one else's. So Joshua leads them to the promised land. If you read the rest of Joshua, you got a lot of things going on there. They win battle after battle. And then Joshua chapter 24, Joshua needs to do some work again. And so he brings the people before him and he says, guys, look, something we always got to evaluate. You know, we've been at this a while, but uh, we're sinners and you guys have some idols in, in your life that you got to deal with. You got to really evaluate your hearts. We always have to do that, don't we? So see what, what idols are in your home now. He's talking about idols in your home in chapter 24. 
What idols are in your home? Materialism. When your kids look at you, what do they see? Materialism. Some politicized version of Christianity. Idols of drama or sports or dance or music or whatever we want our kids in. Cool pictures on Instagram. I don't know. But Joshua says, you got to clean out the idols. But you know what Joshua says in uh, Joshua 24 or 15? But for me in my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. But for me in my house, you guys can do what you want. See, I'm only responsible for my family. But for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. You guys in on that? Some battles, right? Huge responsibility. This is big. But we got God on our side. But for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to sing a song, great song. And it, it's based off of uh, Joshua walking around the walls. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. <laughs> you ever been there? But you've never failed me yet. And I don't know what battles are ahead of you as a parent. I don't know what challenges are ahead of you. I don't know what idols you've got to deal with. But I know this. God will give you everything you need when you take the responsibility to say, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You never stop parenting, guys. And then you become a grandparent, and that's even cooler. But you got to still work to leave a legacy. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing the song together. Make this be your prayer. Make this be your confidence. God has never failed us yet. And you know what? He won't. Father, be with us as we sing. Let this be our testimony to you, our proclamation, our reminder that you are the mighty creator. Nothing is too hard for you. I pray, Lord, there's a marriage here getting ready to split up, that you bring it together right now. I pray, Lord, that if someone here doesn't know you, today would be the day when they say, man, I am gonna trust in, I can't do this on my own. I pray that this would be the day when young parents grab their spouse's hand and say, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and grandparents do the same thing. Be with us, Lord, as we make this proclamation in Jesus' name. Amen.